Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Reddit Club podcast. So I'm joined by my buddy here, Steve Moneypenny. He's a presidential candidate for USPSA. And I've actually shot with him quite a bit across country because he shoots USPSA, Steel Challenge, and we've shot three gun. Same match, but he ROed. So thank you, Steve. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's always a fun match. Yeah. Uh, we think it's in its fourth year now. Uh, so. James does a really good job putting it on. And uh, it's currently a... I don't like the word the term outlaw because well we're not breaking any laws right right uh, but I call it an unsanctioned three gun match uh, so it, it has a pretty good prize table actually really good prize table for the size match that it's been and he puts a lot into it which is in Beckley in the fall but we're butted up against some other really awesome matches so yeah. it's sometimes hard for a lot of people who want to come to get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was looking at October and I was like, if I do that and everything else I want to do, it's like five weekends in a row gone two weekends mm-hmm. in Colorado, of course. So yeah. Yeah. Fun. So, I mean, let's start off with the presidential stuff and, and totally okay. like get that going. So what made you want to even run for president right now? USPSA it's kind of a daring time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I've been a USPSA member for, just over 20 years. Mike Voigt was the president forever. Um, I was critical of Mike Voigt when he didn't get nationals done, um, announced as early as I thought he should. Uh, Back in the day, I was selling real estate and I really liked to get things scheduled at least a year in advance. A lot of my other friends did also. So then, you know, we got Phil Strader in there and then Mike come along, uh, Mike Foley. And I was critical of all of them to them. I mean, I'm, I'm not hiding anything from them. I, I, I wasn't mean about it. I don't believe in being rude, but I always like to push people to be better. Um, so that was something that I had done. Um, I got into multi-gun in 2014, 2015. Started my own club, shot some three-gun nation, made it a three-gun nation club. Um, there's stories about that on other podcasts and stuff, but basically one of the things that Mike Foley did that annoyed me was he was a multi-gunner. And I think that multi-gun has a very strong place in USPSA. Mm-hmm. It did under Mike Boyt. And I think that it should, it, it's something that we, that's really untapped right now. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to convert the organization to a multi-gun organization. I just want to give uh, a good committee of very talented people, the opportunity to put something together for everybody else with multi-gun. At the same time, you know, every, everybody hears all the internet drama, all the things that are wrong with USPSA as a corporation. We can make an entire podcast about what we think is wrong, but until we're inside, who really does know? Okay. So I've been, been a part of a number of organizations that have ran in very different manners where everything had to be extremely public. Mm-hmm. So I feel that I can bring that, I don't want to say publicity necessarily to it. But I can bring the transparency and make people understand what we're going to do before we do it, how we're going to do it, get their input, and put that together. So um, I'm not going to lie. We were actually kind of kicking around the idea of another organization 
um, and all this stuff came along. And a few of my friends and I said, well, you know, this, I, I, we figured, factored out what time it was going to take. Mm-hmm. And then we started looking at the awesome things that USBSA has going for it. Uh, of course, it's got name recognition. It is the gateway to the world shoot. And no matter what you take, and that gateway is going to remain with USPSA as long as USPSA wants it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a classification system that some people say is broken. Um, I think it's just a little outdated. Uh, I think there's some things that the, the sport has progressed beyond where those classif- classifiers are at right now. Um, I think that could be updated. And the consensus was amongst a few of us that we're a lot better off fixing what we have um, and helping those who have put a lot of work into this than to just go our own way and not put that amount of effort into it. Uh, It's something that's been a huge part of my life. Uh, I love the organization. The people are amazing. Sure. We have differences with a few persons here or there, Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Not all, wrong all the time. It's a bunch of alpha male and alpha female personalities. Yeah. We all work our way, right? Yep. And I just felt that I could bring to the table enough things that it would be beneficial for myself and the rest of the membership. Uh, of course, Mike Foley's salary that he had there was a, a good benefit. I'll tell you, I never really wanted or expected them to keep that salary. I think a person that, because uh, I, of course, I remember Dave Thomas. And Mike Voigt, uh, I feel that we we definitely need a a solid person there to lead our office staff and lead that part of the organization so that everybody's just not wondering, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen when the new president gets elected and all that stuff. Because if you leave if you leave that guy as the boss, so to speak, of all of the uh, people that are working for USPSA now, uh, I think we're like at 12 employees or something like that. That that doesn't leave a lot of solidarity when you change regimes. So um, I, I think for the, the position that they have outlined for USPSA president, that it would be perfect for me. And I've worked in the organization a lot of ways, and I want to help build it and help and help everybody see what it can be. Yeah. Yeah. And I know um, like Steel Challenge, of course, is separate. But like talk about your RO experience, because you and I have similar RO experience of two gun and three gun and steel challenge and area and sectional and nationals like you name like everything you've been involved with so you have that experience okay. right there's an entire list of area matches that i worked and um there's a lot of people that are range officers and chief range officers for separate reasons mm-hmm. the reason i became a range officer to begin with was to be a better shooter then everybody wanted me to work matches i didn't want to work matches i wanted <laughs> to win <laughs> we both know what ROing does to your match performance. Yep. When I first started shooting and got my RO certification, I was a college student. I had perfect attendance for about three years through college. And that meant I showed up on days where they called off for snow days and I was there and the professors were not. <laughs> um, silly stuff like that. So I didn't have much, if any, time to spend. Mm-hmm. And when I say full time, I usually ran 18 to 20 credit hours. Yeah. So Same. as a college student, you know, that's that's a nice yeah. load. Um, so I didn't RO much. My RO certification expired. Um, I graduated college, became a real estate agent um, and worked for a, a company at the, t- at the same time. During that, I started realizing how much you know it costs to travel and to compete because yep. as a college student, I'd, I'd drive all night, shoot, take a nap in the car and drive home. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so it, it, it didn't cost nearly as much, but uh, you can't do that when you're 25. You can do that when you're 21. <laughs> so the, the whole thing of being an RO led me into a way to pay for my match. Yeah. And then I started realizing, you know, all the cool friends I was making um, ended up working, I think, areas five, six. No, I didn't work six. I worked five, eight, and I think seven one year. And I just recently worked multi-gun nationals. I worked a three-gun nation nationals before that. So I worked, I've worked all the West Virginia state championships. Uh, a lot of times, the way we've had those set up, I end up like working two or three stages of it. Um, I know that at least two years of it, maybe three, we did a zone. So I'd be the CRO and I had like two or three ROs that were working under me. They were, they were experienced, knew what they were doing, but if there were any major rules calls or something like that, I could be there for them. So, um, like I've said in a couple of other places, I had a friend that wanted to start a three gun match in about 2015. And that's, that's when I jumped into match directing. <laughs> um, and that's a whole other exciting thing. So that's pretty much my experience as a range officer. Mm -hmm. And then of course, when you're the, when you're a small match, you're also the, the, you know, you're, you're running the match as the match director. You're the range master too. When anybody else has a question, you're the quartermaster when anything else breaks. <laughs> so it's, it's exciting, but it's, it's a good challenge and it's always been fun. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's something a lot of people don't know about world shoot. Like I want to go shoot a world shoot. I definitely want to shoot shotgun. That's the dream. But you, like you said, USPSA is kind of that entry to it. So multi-gun really can't go away, right? Like we need that. Well, if we, if it does, we still really need to uh, make a process for everybody to become uh, qualified. Maybe I should say to go to World Shoot. I know Mike Mike Foley did a, a thing that's basically, hey, if you want to go to World Shoot, we have X number of slots. Tell me who you are and why you should go. I I don't I don't think he had to do too much editing and figuring there because by the time he got done, there weren't too many people left that didn't get to go to world shoot because there weren't that many for shotgun last time. Yeah. Um, I I've talked to uh, a few of the same folks that you have. I think there's a lot of people out there that want to really step up the shotgun game for world shoot, uh, running some matches that I don't want to say mimic world shoot, but these guys have been there. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll just call them a good train up for our competitors going. Um, now, whether those get to be used as uh, qualifiers or not, yeah. Uh, that's yet to be seen. And I, I'm hoping that we can do that. Um, but I think the shotgun shooting sport, depending upon where you're at in the United States can be absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, if you start looking at Minnesota, those yeah. are some shotgun and fools up there. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't think you're going to go show up to a, a range out in the middle of Minnesota or Wisconsin and, and be a, a badass with a 12 gauge because them boys know their patterns. They'll <laughs> set no shoots next to it. And you're yep. standing out there going, uh, how many yards is that? Is it 17 or 18 or 19? And oh, never mind, it hit the no shoot. Well, we can just shoot the regular target now. It's down. <laughs> it's funny. I've never shot a no shoot with a shotgun. There's been plenty of them, but I've always shot with the rifle and the pistol. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I just thought about that. I'm like, I'm very good with like holding this edge or the pattern and knowing where it's at because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know the shotgun is not as uh, as much of a staple in our existence as it, as it used to be. Yeah, uh, especially even in police cru police cruisers and stuff. There's still a lot of guys that carry a, a shotgun in their police cruiser. There's a lot of things you can do with them. Um, there's a lot of people that hunt with them, mm -hmm. and I understand that our shotguns are specialized tools, so to speak. Yeah. But 
I have also taken my uh, my Brita B12i, which has you know the four the, the quad load cuts and all that stuff. And I went to a sporting clays match with it, and the guys were well, that's pretty cool. That's weird. Why would you do that? And I showed them the fact that I reached out, they got two shells, stuff them in the gun, hit the button and rack it, and they look at me like I could do that with gloves on. <laughs> I'm like, well, yes, yes, you could. Like, well, duck season's coming up. I'm like, well, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's modifications to a shotgun that just to help it work better in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know Scott Newman, right? Yeah. I think he was yeah. told me that he taught his buddy or he knows a buddy that was like reloading off of a chest rig when he was duck hunting, but mm-hmm. it was legal because he could load fast and still plug shotgun. <laughs> yep. Hey, it only holds three rounds, but yeah. you've got 24 rounds in the last minute. <laughs> what can I say? I can put two in real fast. <laughs> Double loads for life. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, go ahead. one of the things we haven't talked about is rifle. Um, it, we're looking at 12 million new gun owners, and we're to, we're an, we're an organization. USPSA is an organization of approximately 30,000 members um, <clears throat> that are that stay active. So, when you look at 12 million people, there's not a whole lot of them would have to get to join double the size of our organization percentage wise. Uh, most of those people are buying handguns, which is our main sport is a handgun sport. Um, with Steel Challenge, it's a phenomenal way just to get anybody started. Um, I really push children and elderly there. <laughs> um, I have uh, I run a little Steel Challenge match. Um, I say little because the last one we had had five people. I think Max I've ever Aww. had stuff. Um, hey, it was still fun. Yeah. Um, it was on the weekend, and we're in the Bible Belt down here, you know. So, okay. <laughs> like, well, we have family stuff to do. It's Easter. I'm like Easter Sunday and Good Friday was. Well, yesterday, come on out. And it said it was going to rain and snow. And uh, <laughs> we know what people chose. Um, as it turned out, it was it was a cool day, but it was very nice. Um, so with a lot of those people, the second biggest thing after handguns is they've purchased a rifle, most likely an AR-15 platform. Yeah. And now that we have all those guns sitting in safes behind doors under beds, uh, it's important that we make sure that we stabilize our rights to keep those types of firearms and making them more of a sporting use. And this is the big thing that a lot of other countries that have lost certain types of firearms did not do. Right. So if we can make a good sporting use for this, we can politically affect the, the entire way it goes and not actually have the organization do anything political if that makes sense yeah because oh yeah here, here here's a place you can go and play with that it's a it's a sporting recreational firearm yeah i don't like it um something you mentioned at the very beginning so going all the way back and i knew this about you is that you teach so what do you teach up there um do you do any of the permit classes like i don't know your state enough yeah but. um actually this sunday i'm teaching a concealed carry permit class uh, I find that in, I'm like in the heart of West Virginia. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll make this not go explicit by showing you what West Virginia looks like and where I live. But I live right in the middle of it. So most of the people around here don't travel a lot. However, the people on our borders that work in Virginia, that travel into Maryland, uh, our permits are obviously no permit is good in Maryland except Maryland. But if they're going out of state a lot, 
they like to have the permit for the reciprocity. So I travel an hour and a half to two hours. A lot of times I teach concealed carry permit classes. It's pretty much extremely basic. How not to go to jail with a gun is what I call it. Um, that it just tells you, you know, don't carry them into post offices and other places. I teach, I used to tell people, I'll teach you from everything that you need to know to be, to, to just be a, a safe gun handler, to being a world champion. Um, I had a guy that I thought was on his way to a national championship until work and life got in his way. Um, but he, he won a couple states. He was doing real good. But he, uh, he, he took a job out of town, and his shooting went away. Yeah. <laughs> um, he still comes and plays with us once in a while, but he, it's, not his, it's not so much his passion anymore as making a living. So I, I teach a few, like, just carbine familiarization courses. Most of them is pretty basic. Um, if people want a more in-depth class, I teach that also. I don't really travel a whole lot because the time away from work and stuff right now, basically, that takes up vacation time. Yeah. Uh, now, if I become USPSA president, um, I, I've vowed to the constituency to leave my job and i'm not i'm not swearing that i'm going to do that in the in the first interim of it because it's only i think 16 months to the other election mm -hmm. <laughs> but i also vowed if i don't win this election i'm going to be at that one also yeah so uh where i work at for the county i have a feeling that's going to be kind of i don't want to say phased out completely but by that time it will be till other people will be doing the job and i won't be there yeah so makes sense um okay um, good I was gonna say the the teaching stuff. So I'll just tell you, like the the gals day at the range event. A lot of people have told me like that would be a great event that they've tried to do for like USPSA, right? They've tried to have more people come out and shoot, or just getting people, you know, to USPSA or to Steel Challenge and all of that. Why aren't or like would you put together more events like that for people just come show up, learn how to shoot, and then have that as like an entry point into USPSA or? What do you think um, about bringing new people? I think that's great. What I usually do with that type of thing is I talk to the range. I say, you know, get, get some people to sign up. Uh, if you're interested in any competition shooting, you don't need ammo. Just have them come out. Yeah. Uh, then I do about a 35. I actually have a class for that. Um, depending on whether they want three gun or handgun or just steel challenge. Uh, if they want the whole smattering, I'll explain it in very simple terms because you don't want to overwhelm new people. No, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you put it real simple. You know, steel challenge is standing in one place, shooting steel targets as fast as you can. It requires the least amount of physical ambition <laughs> out there. Um, you don't have to run. You don't have to jump. There's one stage that requires movement, and I've ran it at my match one time. Yeah. Because the one time I did run it, um, I ended up making it so that everyone at the match had to stay in one place and just added four seconds to everybody. <laughs> I just mandatory penalty to everybody at the match. Uh, there was only three people that could, I felt, move safely. Um, nothing against them, but some of the folks retired before I started working. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, they're really great people. And uh, I, I jokingly say that this I, I, this match is the only event that I've ever been to where I've seen three generations of people show up and compete against each other. Um, a guy that was my age, his father was one was one of my high school teachers, and his son, who was about nine or ten, showed up, and they had a great time heckling each other. Um, none of them took it super serious, uh, but it was amazing to see. It was a great day for all of them. Uh, 
So that's what Steel Challenge is. And then, you know, I get into what, you know, tell what Multigun is, what USTSA is, if something like that suits your fancy. Um, of, sometimes I'll set up just a simple Steel Challenge stage because I can pack that in my trunk pretty easy. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll go out and, and just shoot a little bit and get people to get the feeling of it. You know, here, understand what a timer is, how the scoring works. It's about a four hour class. I just usually call that an intro to competition. Mm-hmm. and tailor it to those students. Yeah. Um, I have d- tried to do um, a ladies, f- different things for ladies in the area. But my problem is we have 15,000 people in my county. Small. <laughs> there's 5,000 people in the town. Um, there's about 2 million in the entire state of West Virginia. So that's like the size of the, reg- the greater Tampa area, in the in- but spread out over the whole state. Um, and a lot of those are those populations are in the eastern panhandle, which is four hours for me. So ladies only events, even the concealed carry class. Um, I set up a ladies concealed carry class and end up having two dudes in it because well, my husband wants it too, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm yeah. not a lady. You know, yeah. Who cares? It's hard to do um, ladies only classes. Like I, you know, we want to do it centric, but still, like there's only so many people coming out, and like yeah, like you said, couples come out a lot uh, and get yeah. that done. So, you know, I think it's great when you can get, um, like the girl in a gun does, and there's another organization, Babes with Bullets. The they just have like, yeah. yes, that's, yeah, that's another one. They have like a Tuesday night at the range. And, um, some of them thought I was kind of creepy because there was one in Morgantown. I tried to get, have, get them to get one started. Like, why do you want to help? I'm like, if there's anything you need, just let me know. We'll, we'll try to put it like, what makes a difference to you? I'm like, because the more people shooting means the more people shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter if they don't want to do competition immediately, but it normalizes it. It gets a word out. Um, and and as, as a lady yourself, I'm sure you understand that the, the physical differences and capabilities of self-defense of what a firearm offers to so many people. Yeah. yeah. I wish there was more like intro to competition shooting, though, classes or events or stuff like that, though, for sure. I mean, like I know I know about those groups. I haven't seen a lot of people pass those groups getting into the competition side, but again, they're shooting. So like, that's a win. <laughs> that's a huge win in my book. Um, now throughout your shooting career too, I don't know if you want to talk about it, like the different sponsors that you work with. I know that you worked a lot with blue bullets too, right? Huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to talk about how yeah. all those relationships formed and like how those companies are really supporting the sport. So the blue bullets actually, I had been, well, first of all, I started shooting for a guy that had uh, a Blackheart International, um, and they did one-stop tactical gear. So I've, I've essentially been a sponsored shooter for all but about the first three matches I've ever shot. Um, <laughs> but I was working for the guy, too. You know, it wasn't like, I'll pay you to shoot. It didn't work like that. It's like, hey, you know, if you sell gear and you work for this, and and we'll we'll help you out with match fees or we'll buy your lunch or something. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we, we did that for a few years. Um, and I, I had been back and forth with a few bullet companies and the blue bullets put out a thing wanting to, to sponsor people. I threw on my resume and they asked something about what do you use our product? And on that one, I said, no. Um, and then because I hadn't touched their product, I ordered their product. It showed up in two days. Awesome. <laughs> and um, I'm like, Hey, I need to review that. Uh, the answer is yes. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute. What do you mean? It's like, and he's like, oh, I just saw you ordered that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I want to, I'm not going to use junk. So, um, uh, they're like, well, that sounds good. And they ask about my finish at matches. 
And I told him what I tell everybody that asks about any type of sponsorship. I'm like, look, I'm not going to promise you match wins. I can't promise that. Yeah. Uh, there's always some dude better. And that's one of the reasons I stepped away because some dude was better. His name was Bob Vogel. Uh, he traveled the matches with me. So I, I, I literally drove a guy there that would crush me, you know, <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm here to win division. He's not shooting. Um, then I traveled to a few matches with Ben Stoger that did not go so well in my favor either. I mean, they were cool guys, but, uh, my finish was not as well as I'd liked when those guys were around. <laughs> so, uh, basically, you know, they said, yes. Um, I got an initial discount and then, uh, went to national shooting their stuff and they just started growing like gangbusters. I think they sponsored like 50 or 75 shooters the first year. Uh, then they started looking for other people to sponsor. And because I had spent a lot of time on the road and shooting, I'm like, well, Hey, you can, you know, would you be interested in, you know, they, they put out areas where they wanted, they had pockets of, you know, nobody shoots our bullets. Like I'm 300 miles of this place. Do you know anybody? I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, one of them, I was like, hey, I know John Anderson. He's in South Dakota. <laughs> and now he's, now John's winning a lot of matches. He's doing great. Um, so just help to kind of put good people together. Um, I did pretty much the same thing with Red Hill Tactical. Um, I've known Bob since uh, 2003 or four. Uh, he used to have a bullet company too. Managed to get me lead poisoning for a while because you know, I'd help, <laughs> help make the bullets a little bit. It was all cast lead back then. You know, there weren't any coated Steve. bullets. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have used gloves a little bit more. That wasn't really his yeah. fault, but I didn't. <laughs> but I was reloading and shooting uh, about a 250 round practice session twice a day. So I had more than enough lead exposure and I mentioned something about, man, my fingers are tingling. He's like, dude, have you had your lead levels checked? And I'm like, what's that? You know, why, why would that make my fingers tingle? <laughs> so he gives me this explanation. Of course, his dad had, you know, it used to shoot bullseye and stuff like that. So he'd had that problem. Um, so I got my, I didn't never got my lead levels checked. I just started just assuming that they were extremely high. Uh, a few weeks of vitamin C and just drinking water. And next thing I know, my fingers didn't tingle. My toes didn't tingle. And I was, I was doing fine. And of course, at the same time, I took all the precautions, you know, gloves every time I'm reloading. Um, I had an N95 mask. And you look really weird back then and completely normal now. <laughs> <laughs> if I shoot indoors, sometimes you'll still see me with a, a mask or something on. Yeah. But the beard kind of negates most of awesome. it. Yeah. Uh, so... That was some of those guys I worked with. I uh, went to nationals one time. Um, I, I had a, a couple guns done by Bruce Gray because he started out with a 320. And I met him at nationals. We sat around and talked for a while. Um, and after talking to him, being on the range for three or four days, he asked me if I'd join the team. Uh, of course, couldn't refuse. So then the next thing he asked me was to shoot the first carry optics nationals, to which I had no gun, no ammo, no room. And I said, no. And he's like, well, we have guns. That's, that's a no problem. Has anybody got some extra ammo they haven't shot? <laughs> There's a bunch of team guys with SIG ammo that goes here. Like, okay. I don't, well, you know, his roommate left for the night. So we've got that room paid for. Like, I'll just go register. You know, there's no point. <laughs> right. No point buying it. Yeah. So that, that's been a, a continued relationship that I'm still with. Um, I met Bill Duda a couple years ago with Go Fast, Don't Suck. I've been wearing his jerseys um, pretty much ever since, even though one of them says I'm too fat to kidnap. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, of course, Hodgden dropped every single team that they had. Uh, and we, we Red Hill started looking for people to pick it up, so I ended up with Shooters Won't Powder. 
um, which is great. I've got lots of powder. If anybody knows anybody with primers, uh, call me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, we can, we can work something out here. Um, but that's pretty much it. And I, have always looked at sponsorship as, um, many jobs because that's what it really is. Um, I used to have a joke, we'll work for ammo, we'll work for food, you know, whatever. And that's, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. If, if somebody's doing something and you both can align with each other, then help each other out. Uh, Most of the companies that I, uh, have gear from and stuff like that, I don't accept anything from them. They, I'm not saying they haven't offered or wouldn't offer if I asked, but, um, I jokingly say I'm sponsored by Man Cave Distilling. He's a friend of mine who owns a distillery here in West Virginia. And he doesn't really give me free liquor, but, you know, we're friends. <laughs> um, I never, I've never even really asked for a discount. They make great stuff. Just support those people that that you see and think that they're doing a good job. Uh, we're all small business owners in this sport. I have my FFL, my 0703, uh, my 06 FFL. And it seems like everybody wants a discount mm-hmm. and then they wonder why their friend that owns a gun shop is poor. Yeah. Um, well, dude, it's because I sold it to you at almost cost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. uh, so it might be a, it might be a $10,000 rifle, but you know, I'm lucky to make a couple hundred bucks on it sometimes, you know, cause yeah. you look, I can't look at something on the internet and say, well, Hey, you can buy that for 500 bucks from George. Or you could buy it for a thousand dollars from me. I'm like, well, well, can we get close? Sometimes I'm like, hey, go buy it from from that other company. Go buy it from Primary Arms or Palmetto State Armory. Have it shipped here. I'll make it, you know, deal on the transfer, and that'll work better for you. Yeah, yeah, no, and new guns especially. People have no idea. Like they really don't. This whole industry, like new guns, I think you make like twenty dollars on them sometimes. Yeah, like if you're lucky. Um, interesting i was gonna ask you too about uh so you went to shot show how many times did you go to shot show huh how many times did you go to shot show two or three i think okay. i know twice off the top of my head. i think i've been there three times total yeah uh, it's definitely changed a lot in the last year i didn't make it to the last one. Oh, it was um, the best it was the best i, I was kind of sad that i didn't make it after i saw what everybody else had done mm-hmm. the whole part of traveling with masks and breathing my own co2 for four and a half hours. Yeah. Once you ex- got there, nobody cared. It was great. Yeah, it's great. Um, but SHOT Show, I think, is still important to the industry as well. I don't know. Yeah, if, yeah I love SHOT Show. I'm weird. Um, it, I have I have mixed feelings on it about being there. What I love, I love connecting with, one, new people. Two, all the amazing people that we have and know in the industry. And of course, it's in, it's in January, so usually our sh- where I'm at, our shooting ends in the end of October. Yeah. So it's like, I haven't, I haven't seen my best friends in three months, you know? <laughs> so Let's go to show. <laughs> we, we, we all go together and, and go to Vegas. And the first two times I was there, I did not gamble $1. Okay. Uh, the third time I put five bucks in the machine at the airport because I was a little early when I got there. <laughs> Just to say I gambled in Vegas. Um, <laughs> Because there's so much other stuff going on, you know, with with meeting with clients, meeting with old friends, you know, yeah. you don't have time to do the nefarious stuff that Vegas is famous for. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a gambler fan. I don't like making money early. Like I'm a hard worker, and then it just goes away. <laughs> but 
I remember, oh, bless his heart. I'm just going to tell it. But Brian Conley gave me, Michael Brooks, and Lindsay from Red Hole. Uh, mm-hmm. He was like 20 bucks between us three. And us three pay, played Blackjack, I think, for like five hours on that $20. That's hilarious. <laughs> was like, he was like, here you go, children. <laughs> like, have fun. <laughs> but I don't gamble, and that was the most fun I've ever had. And that's all we did. So, yeah. So, do you remember when the World Series of Poker really got started? Mm-hmm. That was the that was the hobby for everybody to do. You know, it would be JJ, KC, my buddy Jake, a whole bunch of us. You know, we'd all be sitting around and somebody would have a suite. So we're all telling stories, talking about the match, playing, you know, Texas Hold'em. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is like 2005 or six. Um, I, I think I'm, yeah, I was old enough to get into a casino, but I was the only one there that was old enough to get into one. <laughs> uh, so we'd be at matches and that would be the thing, you know, it, it was the cool new hobby for everybody to do. Uh, so that kind of thing. And I always wanted to, to, you know, get a couple of hours or an evening, let's just put it that way and just sit down and play. But I've been so out of touch with that for years. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's fun though. And uh, now my, my new thing, instead of uh, like getting a sweet and playing poker is doing podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I've started one of those myself and it's, uh, it's definitely harder than people think it is. Uh, the scheduling part is a lot of times the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joking with ours aside, but um, it's like uh, I, I do really good with West Coast people. Yeah, and the reason I do that is because by the time by the time they're off work and they have time to do that, I am like the whole world here is dead. You know, my fiance's in bed asleep. Nobody's calling because they're in bed asleep. I'm like, okay, yeah. we can talk to the West Coast guys. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so Internet funny. Works better. <laughs> It's so funny you say that because uh, I have California clients as well. So complete, yeah, West Coast, we're both on East Coast. But it's great because I don't feel like a piece of shit when I wake up because I'm an entrepreneur. I wake up when I want to wake up. So it's like 9, 10. But for them, it's 6 and 7. So they haven't even started their day. And I'm like, it's a win for me. Yeah. Oh, you're already awake. Oh, yeah. Uh, the creepy ones, you know, Grey Guns is like on the left of of left coast. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. And I send a text one morning at like 6 a.m. to Jordan and he responds. And I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing up? Oh, I haven't went to bed yet. I haven't gone to bed. Yeah. I'm like, thanks, man. Sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I think it's amazing that the shooting world and the shooting sports just bring together so many people from all walks of life and all areas of life. Yep. Uh, it's, it's one of the things that I love the most about it. Yeah, I agree. And if I could pick an industry to spend until my retirement in, it's going to be in the gun industry. Yep. Uh, my fiance said something about, well, how do you know this guy? And I, you know, I found out, figured out that my doctors, my dentist, my optometrist, <laughs> everybody that I deal with in life is somehow connected to the firearms industry. And she's like, isn't that weird? And I'm like, maybe. Like, what about the car salesman? I'm like, oh, yeah, he shoots matches, too. (laughs) And she's like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you never know whether it's going to be some, I I don't want to say anything bad, but, you know, a guy that works in a sewer plant because this is my my buddy, Weston. He literally built the sewer plant. Um, Or or whether it's going to be a doctor or a lawyer that that you walk up to on the range. It's, It's hard to tell. Yeah. And that's awesome. And nobody, 
says, oh, well, you do that. Well, we don't like you or whatever. Right. It's whatever industry that you might have come from, it's pretty much we welcome you with open arms. Yeah. And I think I know like 10% of what people do in real life. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's talk about that. I podcast, um, you know, what do you do in real life? <laughs> because it always fascinates me and you never know. Like there was one a really old dude that I met and I thought he was a lot older than he was. And I was early into shooting. <laughs> and, and he kept talking about well he had to, he was going on this uh, road race and this and that and um, one of the guys that kind of got me into rally racing too and he he was borrowing this doctor's Lamborghini because his Viper wasn't put together yet and I'm like well that's pretty cool wow. and the guy um, he, he walked very straight very narrow you can tell people that have been injured yeah um, he didn't turn his head fast he didn't do this so we sit around and he's smoking a pipe and we're relaxing. I'm like, so Creel, you know, tell me about yourself. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what did you do to make the money to afford, you know, Vipers, Lamborghinis, you're driving like a Lexus. Uh, he's like, well, I, I'm a, I'm a neurosurgeon. I'm like, you're, you're a what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the dude that will take out your brain cancer. Hmm. I'm like, uh, first of all, I hope I don't have it. Uh, second of all, that's, that's pretty amazing. I'm like, so what got you? So, I notice you walk kind of funny. You don't get in a hurry anywhere you go. He's like, well, he gets his pipe. I said, one time I was driving on a racetrack. Everybody else told me that I landed upside down in the pile of tires at the end. I said, I have no memory of that. Ooh. That's what they told me, and I believe them because I haven't been able to move right since. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man. Um, so apparently, I, I looked him up after that. I was in a, the baby of the internet. The guy was a really accomplished road racer. Huh. Uh, had a wreck, and he just it just kind of killed his reflexes. Wow. So this is reminding me of Doctor Strange. Yeah, it just you just never know who you're going to meet. I was standing on an IDPA uh, national championship one day. This guy walked up to me and he started talking to me, and I'm like. So who did you serve with? And he was like with the 82nd Airborne, had been shot like 16 times. And yeah, I mean, it's it just stuff that you would, that movies are made about. It's like, holy crap. He, he wanted to prove to me that he was there and he wasn't one of the guys with stolen valor. I'm like, I believe you because I can see, you know, how you're moving and know what that kind of stuff does to a person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you meet so, so many amazing people. And uh, we have a, there's a, a Memorial three gun match that butts right up against. Yeah. Mountain State. The Mountain State right there. And there's another, there's like three matches right there all in one. And I can't, up to this point, I've never been able to take the time to take it. We can go set up the Mountain State and work it and then go to the Memorial Three Guns. Yeah, it's a lot. And and I don't, I, I get that like dates and like venues are booked in years in advance, but it is frustrating. Mm -hmm. Even now, like Texas Three Gun is this weekend. And then they just had the multi-gun nationals. They had something else and they have something else. I don't even know, but it's like a bajillion. Oh, Tar Heels coming up, Tar Heel three gun. So it's just a lot in a short amount of time. And then it'll be like a break for like months. And you're just like, why can't we stretch these out? Yeah, like, can we have some matches in July and August, please? Because I've got five in September, <laughs> every weekend in March until the middle of June, I yeah. have three things planned. Uh, I'm actually if, if, if none of the cars break and everything works right, <laughs> um, I plan on going to the uh, Del Mar, Virginia section uh, championship, which is actually in West Virginia. That's right now, uh, right? 
it's it will happen today, uh, tomorrow, and Sunday. Yep. And they set it up earlier this week in the snow. Yep. Uh, up. So then it blew it, away, it, and then they had to redo it. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to try to stop by that for three or four hours tomorrow afternoon, cool. and or late morning, early afternoon, and then Sunday I have the concealed carry class over in Parsons. Nice. Um, then I leave Wednesday for the World Speed Shooting Championship. That's awesome. I'm going to miss that because I'm going to be at South Carolina sectionals and it's just so frustrating that everything's again, the same weekend. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, that's absolutely on the, I was thinking, you know, Hey, maybe I could like leave the award ceremony a little early or something and stop by South Carolina, say hi to some people. Cause the blue bullets guys, they, they do a lot for South Carolina, North Carolina. Yep. Cause they're like right down on the Southern line near Rowan. Yep. And, and maybe, so maybe I, Hey, stop by, see those guys drop off some flyers. Um, on the way home, then I realized, no, it's not on that part of South Carolina in Belton, which is clear over on the other side of Georgia. Yeah. So, <laughs> Near me. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely difficult to get to all the things you want to get to. And yeah. as I talk about growing the USPSA organization, you know, I know of a handful of clubs out there that they fill up within a day. You know, they, they post their stuff. And a couple of years ago, it was like, you want to shoot a match? Well, tough crap. You said you wanted to shoot a match. You didn't click enter. <laughs> um, and But they're still filling up within a couple of hours in some of these areas. So we need to you know, see what we can do to identify some ranges, bring in some new people. Um, I know of a couple of ranges that started a Saturday-Sunday program. You can shoot the match either day if you want to come. Yeah. Because so many people, they're still getting 80 people each day. That's cool. Um, so when I was talking about growing the sport, uh, I think we need to pick, be careful what area we grow it in so we don't end up in a gridlock. Um, yeah. I think very targeted marketing can, can help that a lot. Yeah. Uh, every FFL out there has their information on, online on the ATF website. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you guys want to sell more ammo? What, now that you can get it, yeah. <laughs> here's people that will buy it if you can get them into shooting. They will burn it as fast as you can. <laughs> My other thing, um, I, I do love what Bill's done though with the go fast, don't suck match. I still haven't been able to shoot it because that club near me hasn't held have it or haven't held it. I can't talk anymore. But Belton Gun Club, I think, was one of them that did have it or is gonna have it. I can't remember which. Um, but I feel like when you and I get the the conditions are different, right? California is mm-hmm. nice, snowing in West Virginia, whatever, but it's neat to see where you stack up and be able to shoot some of the same same stages that your friend shot. I mean, it's almost like a mini nationals. Like you, like when you think about world shoot shotgun and, and rifle, being mm-hmm. able to have like regionals where people can get the same classification on the same stages, like that stuff is incredible. Like, why can't we do more of that? I think that's really cool. And one of, one of the things that's in my to-do list, and, and I don't want anybody to say, well, money penny is going to be president. He's going to spend all this time not doing the things that president should do. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it is a part-time job. I just want to remind everybody that's a part-time job. So the rest of the time I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And right now I spend all of my free time playing with shooting and have to go to work. If I didn't have to go to work, I could spend more time playing with shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think needs created and some people have done it. They just haven't done it on a huge level. I've heard that Rick Rotzel has been working on it is a stage repository. Um, you know, I have, <laughs> I have a Dropbox full of matchbooks. I just mm-hmm. need a way to host them and make it, you know, so that other people get everybody gets still gets credit for what they're doing. Um, but I've just been collecting matchbooks since for years. And you know, hey, would you like to shoot the 2016 Area Six? Huh? <laughs> well, 
here's the here's the stages and this is pretty close um and i think something like what bill has done with the postal match mm-hmm. um that's not postal anymore it's <laughs> it's practice score but yeah it's it's something that's amazing. I think we need some classifiers more like that. I mean, he literally proved my entire point by having this match that we can literally have a stage that's like a real stage you're going to shoot on the ground at nationals, not a forced classifier. And the stage can be the same clear across the country. Yep. And we've also proven that even though they're supposed to be the same, that there's some club that's going to screw it up somewhere. Yep. Um, it happens. Yeah. But, you know, we. It's not perfect, but it happens. But we could have stages like that. Uh, little little match I shot here in West Virginia up at Whitehorse. Uh, I think you might have bet uh, Dana White at the uh, Mountain State. I think he might have shot it that year. He went by the name of Barry. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, if you just have to know Dana. Um, he, he uses a lot of fake funny names. Okay. And, he literally set up a bunch of the three gun nation classifiers. <laughs> he had no clue that they were classifiers. What classification was he'd never shot a match before, but he Googled three gun and they had these diagrams. <laughs> so he put them on the ground and I'm standing out there going, are you a three gun nation club? And he's like, no, <laughs> what? I'm like, do you even, well, I know that that's the long run too. I've shot that thing about six times. Uh, he's like, well, I needed a stage and I only, I couldn't come up and think of anything else. So there they are. So that, that's an example of, you know, if we put that out there, uh, it'll help the match directors. There's some match directors say, stay out of my club though. I don't want to hear anything from headquarters. I'm like, okay. Um, but here, here's, here's marketing materials. If you want them, just download them, put your club logo on them or call me. I'll put the club logo on them and email them to you Yeah, and, you know, bring some more people to your match. Here's the stages. Um, all you got to do is click print and go build them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's neat too. Like with, um, area six, I was reviewing the stages, uh, stage designers. I've been looking at that more and more. And I know, um, one of the Dupuy brothers, I'm sorry. I don't remember which one had designed a stage. That was really cool to see someone younger doing it. Of course, Drew Coleman had to send in his little messed up stuff. Ike yeah. Starnes had one of those <laughs> and just seeing like the, the diversity of the stages too was really incredible. So like, I really, I, I like that if more people would run different people's stuff because without intentionally doing it, I think there are people that like, this is their flavor match and this is their flavor oh, yeah. stages. And that's all you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I tell that to a, a lot of my people. I'm like, you know, you guys are going to go to big matches and see things that you're, you're going to think is really cool that I never thought of, never saw. It's not my the way I would do it. You're welcome to say, hey, Steve, i got a stage I want to run. Mm-hmm. Um, just tell me which one of the bays you want, because I'm a natural terrain range. So um, just tell me where you want to put it, um, what you need, and it'll be there for you. And I've had a couple guys actually take me up on that, and it's really cool. It, it makes the match better for everybody. Yeah, that's neat that you do that. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, as, as a match director, I, I can't think of everything. I no. don't want to I'd like to get a little bit of sleep once in a while. Uh, so, um, and I, I've actually been talking to a couple of guys. I'm like, you guys realize if I'm president, this isn't going to happen the same way that it happens right now. Right. Yeah. Like, I was going to have to step up, put some stages on the ground a little bit. Um, I may have to hire somebody to do the mowing. So if one of you wants a job in the summer, you got a kid that's all froggy. Right. Uh, <laughs> got a so, job. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do have some awesome kids and I don't think I've had to pick up 
brass on my range for quite a while. So Aww. that's great. That is really cool. You know, um, dang, I should have thought of that when I was in college on the pistol team. That was our deal with the Rangers. We had to pick up the brass. <laughs> <laughs> but I got really good at picking up brass. And you know what? People called me a chicken. I like, think I was working in 2019 low cap nationals. I was like, I'll be a chicken all day. This is a uh, like money. <laughs> uh, I At multi-gun nationals, I'm out there. I'm hobbled up. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring my chair over here and sit down and pick up this 556 brand. Because I was on an all-rifle stage, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's money laying here, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Absolutely. Um. Okay, I've asked a lot of people this actually on my podcast before, so you can or don't have to answer. Do you think that everyone that is a shooter should have to volunteer at some point or in some aspect to see the behind the scenes stuff or no? Um, no, I don't think they should have to. I think it should definitely be encouraged. Yeah. By telling some people they have to, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I have, uh, I've had some very important people come and shoot some of my matches um, they got shoot throughs i don't have any cell phone service in my range so when you have the on-call er doctor at your range you get them on and off as quick as you can <laughs> um and you also have have a, have a phone forwarded to the to the range going like if that rings you yell stop <laughs> right um so uh th- there are people with varying levels of importance to the other aspects of their life and there there's some people out there they're going to say well just tell them not to shoot uh, i'm like well no i mean if they can't do it that's fine yeah um but i i've done i've done this a little bit at my match um not as much as i would like to is a tiered um tiered price structure i have a family of four that have never uh, I mean, they paid once but uh, you know, maybe one time in like four years, they've ever paid for any of the four of them to shoot a match. Cool. Um, they're my range officer, my stats officer. Their kids pick up all the brass and give me half of it. <laughs> that was their, you know, uh, and I'm like, and it keeps me in, in brass to shoot. I don't really sell any of it. Yeah. Uh, but it, <laughs> it keeps them in brass to shoot too, because, you know, they get half the brass. So, when you can work with people like that, you know, if, if I tell people, you know, if you want to help set up, we'll knock some off the fee. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I set up the day before. Uh, I, I really like to do that because I hate getting up at 4 a.m. Me too. Uh, and when I do, it's usually to start the smoker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the chief cook too, by the way. Um, the, uh, so uh, it it's, I think, a tiered structure like that. You know, hey, if you're, if you're setting up, it's, you know, here's the match fee. It's 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever it is in your area. You know, five bucks off if you help set up, five bucks if you help tear down, um, you know, and free lunch. You can't let everybody shoot for free or you're going to go bankrupt real quick. But if for those people that can help, uh, we should give them every benefit that we possibly can. Yeah. And there's just not a good compelling reason to, to make some people, you know, yeah. if, if hypothetically this guy can make $150, $200 an hour, and save somebody's life instead of setting up a stage. Um, most of the time, those people are also pretty generous and say, "Hey, you need um, you need a star for this weekend's match." Well, yeah, that'd be really cool. I know the guy has one, so he brings it over. So I have a shot at six months. So if I need to shoot it, I'll come out. Okay, I'm like, yeah, sure, anytime you want, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I like that. I definitely think more people should be encouraged behind the scenes for sure. But I do like yeah. that. Yeah. The people that just pay cool, pay full price. But yeah, like the people like us, 
we know, I, I mean, I used to do it. The match fees was a big thing. So yeah, I'll volunteer four days, you know, match fees yep. huge. That's kind of like what got me into the sport, which is nice and into the industry. Now, of course I work a little bit more than, or work less as an RL work more as like marketing and stuff, you know, at different companies, but that's how I had to do it in order to get into it and afford it. So I like that. And people look at, at three gun and we have to understand that we have a, a, a huge amount of sports right here and that the dichotomy is completely different or demographic maybe i should say of either of those sports i can walk up and i can shoot a steel challenge match twenty dollars for the match um twenty dollars for the ammo you know so, sometimes it's even cheaper than 20 a match at 40 bucks great day um, that's as an, as an adult um, if you bring a junior with you you know, double the ammo price, and sometimes I'll let the junior shoot half price or free. So that's 40 bucks. That's not bad. Now, I go to a, a USPSA match, uh, 200 rounds of ammo. If you're shooting nine millimeter, hypothetically, you're buying your ammo. You're looking at, you know, 20 to 30 bucks for a match fee. You're looking at uh, to shoot what you want. The last time I bought nine millimeter, which was on the way to nationals, uh, that's never the way you should buy your ammo. Uh, <laughs> but I managed to find some seller and bellet for sixteen dollars uh, out the door, sixteen dollars for fifty rounds. Um, so that you know, thirty-two dollars for a hundred rounds. So you're looking at forty-five dollars. So now you're you're talking about eighty or ninety. If you shoot a three-gun match, your your long-range ammo is a buck twenty around. Your your shot shells are thirty cents a piece. Usually, there's more ammo that they're involved in all of it. Yeah. Um, so these are also our people that have a different idea of what fun is uh, in many times uh, steel challenge guys seem to be mostly laid back um, the people that just shoot pistol uh, for USPSA uh, they're definitely not as laid back as the steel challenge guys are because there's more things going on you're, you're yeah. pasting you're all this stuff not painting once every five runs um, multi-gun shooters do tend to have a more of an expendable income because it is a more expensive sport with a higher point of entry. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not something that you can singularly put the same marketing out there for every demographic and get them there. Yeah. And some of these people, you know, some are going to go, Hey man, uh, I need to learn how to shoot pistol. They'll start shooting USPSA and they'll do both or they'll convert to one. Mm -hmm. um, they'll, they'll, they'll cross back into fourth and find their own happy place. So to speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's where you want to be is, you know, yep. my problem is if it goes bang, I like to shoot it. Me too. Uh, I, I'll shoot a muzzle loader all afternoon. If, if I have the time and there's a, something to do with muzzle loaders, I'll go do it. Um, I had a friend of mine, I had a blast just shooting a can cannon for about three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I finally realized how much 223 blanks cost. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Thing too. Um, yeah. So. And there's there's uh, so, there's something for everybody, and I think as a practical shooting organization, that if we give people a place to play, they will happily come and give us the money. Yeah. So like that. So what about you personally? Outside of all of this, what about you shooting? What are your shooting goals? What division are you like enjoying or chasing right now? Oh God, yeah. uh, to not embarrass myself and not get DQ'd. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I'm working on the, the club 13. Um, yep. Yep. And the reason I'm, I'm kind of being awkward about that is I'm already a club eight for USPSA. Ooh. I've shot that in, in the past. Um, 
So that'll put me to 21. I think, yeah, that math works yep. out. <laughs> yep. uh, so Club 21 is something I would like to do before this year is out. Um, currently, I'm shooting my, I, I shoot mostly P320s. I carry a 229. I compete with 220s or 320s, excuse me. Those numbers all get confusing to me. There's a lot. Um, yeah, so the 320s are what I generally compete with. Uh, so I'll be shooting carry optics after June or in June. Okay. Um, I shot production. I have my GM card in production. I like reloading. I think it's cool and fun, but I also like using a dot. Yeah. <laughs> um, the stage plans are really cool, when it, but I, I found that the more time I spend on the range – um, I'm either talking, campaigning, or having fun. That I just want to be able to go up and shoot without a great plan mm -hmm. and be comfortable doing that. So I've been doing that recently. Um, the last few years, I've actually spent in carry optics, uh, basically trying to build some skill back with that because the dot lets you figure out everything you're doing wrong. Yeah, and it gives you a much more precise amount of aiming. Yeah, uh, I've I've shot I've shot every division. Obviously, I'm you know. But the ones that I love the most are single stack because I used to shoot the single stack classic and it was an amazing match. I I almost wish that would come back. Yeah. I'm hoping the match this year, uh, the was it what, what are we calling it this year? Classic Nationals uh, is is going to be like that because I'll be shooting limited ten in it. I just don't have a single stack the way I want it right now to compete with. I sold my 320 Max a year or two ago. Yeah. Uh, not my 320. Uh, my 1911 max excuse me uh, i had a friend that wanted it i needed some money and uh he's like i need a really cool gun to carry at my wedding oh uh, well it sounds to me like you need this gun more than me and i really only shot a few hundred rounds through it uh, and i have an old kimber that i used to shoot the single stack classic but i also bought that gun for myself when i was 21 it was my first gun that i bought for me yep so i'm like i'm kind of retiring it while it's still usable because uh, <laughs> it, it probably got sixty, seventy thousand rounds through it, you know, um, in the three years that I was really competing much with it. So, so you carried the Kimber nineteen eleven is what you like a carry gun? Or yeah, you... it's what I carried. In, it's I'm in college. Well, when I, after I turned twenty one, mm -hmm. um, I carried it. I shot CDP and IDPA with it. Um, then I shot the single stack classic with it, and then I would switch to either a limited gun or a production gun in the summertime. That's really cool. So that was kind of the winter carry. Um, I, I'm a country boy. I live on the farm. Um, like I said, we live in a county with very limited population. So <laughs> that was a gun that I could use deer hunting too. Yeah. So it started getting cold, the bigger the gun, the colder it got, the bigger the gun got, you know? Yep. <laughs> so, cool. uh, but my shooting goals, um, I don't really have that many of them of my personal goals. Um, I, I want to shoot. This is what's, this is what's, this is the biggest thing I hate about what I'm doing right now. I'm living the dream, mm -hmm. but I'm not in the position that I was wanting to be in that dream. Um, I always wanted to shoot, you know, big matches and shoot a lot of matches. Um, I shot 20 majors a year when I was younger, but they were they included state matches. So this year I'm going to be shooting the world speed shooting championship, which I never got to do before. Uh, shooting one division in that and it's production. But, well, that's really cool. There's only like 12 people in it. Um, <laughs> you know who those 12 people consist of? I know Sal, right? Sal, is Nils shooting production? Yes, yes. 
Shane. Sonny Morton, maybe. <laughs> I mean, he does. He used to shoot um, production. I think so. Yeah. So it's um, <laughs> top yeah. dogs. Oh, people there. I'm. I'm hoping I make eleven. <laughs> oh, great. Um, so I thought, oh, you know, you know, I was deciding what to shoot. And I'm like, well, I'll have my production gun set up for um, pretty much because I shoot the same gun for Steel Challenge. I'm shooting my X5, which would be without a magwell, which I'm not reloading. So who cares? Right. Um, and then I'll be shooting the week, two weeks after that, I'll be shooting the low cap nationals. And that will be with uh, my 320. I'll probably throw, I don't know if I'm going to throw a 40 upper on it or just hmm. aim my points and shoot minor. Uh, I'm already kind of tuned in with the gun. I've got a press set up for both right now. I've got a, a 550 set up for 40 and a 1050 set up for nine. Nice. So I, I don't know what's, I don't know what I'm going to shoot yet, but. <laughs> I don't make major. I'll shoot minor. There you go. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, I'm shooting some of the biggest, coolest matches I ever wanted to shoot, and I don't stand a chance at winning a dang one of them. So yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have fun and enjoy it, enjoy the stages, enjoy the people, and you know, hope I get elected. There you go. Now, are you shooting two gun nationals this summer? I haven't signed up for it yet, so I'm probably not going to be shooting it. Okay. Um, it was thirty. 28 or 30 it's a very long trip for me a lot um i i don't like to fly a lot unless i really have to yeah uh, i would honestly rather stay up all night and drive than i would fly because to me my nearest airport's four hours Ooh. Uh, well two of but you have to be there two hours early so i have to if i'm, if I'm leaving at 6 a.m i have to be there by 2 a.m um so it is it's a very long trip yeah <laughs> when I can actually drive to Michigan in eight and a half hours and fly. And it takes me 10 hours because there's an hour layover in any flight that I try to take. So weird. Yeah. So, um, that's why I don't, I don't really fly a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I, I get elected to fine more. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a flying fan. That one I'm going to have to, that one's too far just by myself too. It's literally exactly a day. I'm like mm -hmm. pass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 24 hours of driving is no joke. Especially when you own a truck that gets like 16 miles a gallon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, I, I can't believe the gas prices and how those things have yeah. have went this year. I blew three, three a month's budget in two trips. You know, mm -hmm. so I was like, whoa, that's, we have to, have to rearrange this song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. Um. Well, is there anything else you want to leave listeners with or any other topics you want to discuss while I've got you here? Um, I don't know. I, I think the podcasting is really cool. I've, you know, with you and a few other people's help, I, which I greatly appreciate, I've kind of got started a little bit on my own. Um, it is called The Practical Shooter. Um, and I, my idea with it is to find the folks that a lot of people don't want to interview just because they, you know, our sport does have a level of entry that, that is not super easy. I mean, it's, it's, it's harder than bowling. It's harder than axe throwing, which I now is a sport. I did not know that. And so <laughs> is cornhole. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, they all have participants than us. But the, the, what, what I do, what a lot of top shooters do, they see, you know, Bob Vogel, Vogel shoot $2 out of the air, a playing card that's moving, and they think immediately, I could never do that. Right. And I'm like, you, you don't have to do that. Yeah. There's a lot of folks out there having fun that just do this on the weekends. They probably don't even practice, but 
they're having fun and they're so much better of a shooter because of that. Yeah. So, you know, come on out, play and, and grow our sport, grow the industry. And here are some of the people that are doing exactly that. You know, as a lot of the teams I'm on, you don't have to be a great shooter to be sponsored. Everybody thinks you've got to be good. That's tied to match performance. It's not. It's can you relate to people and be friendly and, you know, help out, help them help you basically. So I think that's the biggest thing is even if you, I'd like to leave everybody with, if you're not a great shooter, if you don't think you're great, or even if you do think you're great, come on out to a match, mm -hmm. um, be humbled about it see what's going on, ask somebody there, how do I get into it? And you will more than likely have people hand you thousands of dollars worth of gear that you would never expect to try it out with and get you hooked, so to speak. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and for the majority of us out there, it's, it's just a hobby. Some people will take it and make it their life like you have. Um, I that I have and I've been doing for the last, you know, basically I used to tell people that if I'm not on a shooting range, I'm thinking about being on a shooting range. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it, it's some people will immerse themselves in it. Some people will just think it's cool. It's their off time to do during hunting season. I have a customer. He's actually kind of a, a business partner. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always a planner for, for whether it's for USPSA president for my business or whatever. So I had a friend that I met and he works for the FBI. He does a lot of other stuff. And I brought him in kind of as a business partner. That's a silent partner that doesn't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. But if for some reason I get hit by a bus or whatever, he can make sure that those people that have silencers in my safe can still get them. <laughs> good, good call. <laughs> yeah. So uh, always make it, always make plans and backup plans. And you know, if it's hunting season, he's not coming to matches. Right. It's just, well, okay, you want to go stand in the woods. Well, why don't you come to the match and go up there and stand in the woods afterward? Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but, the, you know, that's his passion. So everybody loves it at a different level. Just, you know, kind of come out and see what level you want to love it at. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just go to a range and see what you can do. Uh, the Steel Challenge website, uh, scsa.org, uspsa.org, both of them have club finders. I promise you, if you cold call one of those guys, cold email them, uh, they'll try to get back with you and they'll be as polite and nice as possible. You know, Hey, they're happy to hear from you. It's not something that they dread. It's something that they're impassioned about and, you know, just have fun, get out there and shoot. And, uh, your USPSA or steel challenge member, there's an election coming up. There are a few of us running for different positions. I'm running for president. There are four other people that are also running for president. Um, hit USPSA.org slash elections. The month after you get done voting for the presidency, Area 4 and Area 7 are up for vote. Historically, we have an extremely low voter turnout. I'd like to see this be the biggest turnout we've had yet. Whether I win or lose, um, I'd like to see it be the biggest turnout of election. Yeah, that's well said. That would be awesome to hear our voice, especially if everybody's complaining about it, right? And they don't do anything about it. That's on them. And, and that's the other thing, you know. I, the friends that I have that I consider my closest are those that are the most blunt with me. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> hey, Steve, what you're complaining about it? What would you tell somebody that's complaining? I'm saying, why don't you get off your ass and do something? Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> and one of them looked at me and said, uh huh. Oh no. <laughs> and so I came home and I'm like, honey, so how would you feel 
<laughs> because you know, when we make we make one decision, I mean, well, single life has got some awesome things to it, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> lots of guns. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, when we're in a relationship, and and she does, she had a carry permit for a few years. We have constitutional carry now, and she doesn't really carry much of it. Well, she's got me with her. I'm usually usually well armed, you know. <laughs> um, so. I had it, have, it affects other people. So I went to my, my parents who my, my father's 82. Uh, my mom's in her like 73 at this point. And I said, look, how you guys feel about this? I, I know I won't be around as much. And mom's like, you've been shooting for years, Steve. Is it going to be any different? I'm like, I'll get paid. Maybe. <laughs> um, mom's like, you know, they were both just you, absolutely. You, you need to go for it. What does Desiree think? I'm like, she's still thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so she, uh, she talked about, it. she says, you yeah, know, this is something that, you know, you're going to make more money than what you're doing now. Yes. You'll be traveling a little bit, but um, you know, she likes to travel too. So maybe I can come with you once in a while. And We'll make some vacations around because I've, I've done that before with her. I've went down and like shot the South Carolina championship. Yep. And uh, I said, you know, can you, you want a couple days just to do whatever you want to do on your own? Um, she's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to go shoot a match. And she's like, well, how are you going to get to the range? I'm like, one of those 150 other people that are shooting is going to give me a ride. And she's like, can you be sure of that? Hey, can anybody give me a ride tomorrow? Ding. Same thing. Ding, ding, ding. So, you know, I grab my, grab my backpack and my lunchbox and jump on somebody else's truck. There you go. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's a good, it's a lot of camaraderie. Um, I got, her, of course, her blessing and stuff. So um, running for all I have and we'll see how that takes us. But overall, in the end of it, win, lose, or draw, I want to see the sport grow and succeed. Yep. Yep. I love that. Steve, how can people find you on social media? Well, they can go to stevemoneypenny.com. S-T-E-V-E-M-O-N-E-Y-P-E-N-N-Y. I have a link tree there. um, Something we learned from other industries. That is a very cool thing. Yep. (laughs) You can click and find any of that. Um, If you search for Steve Money Penny on, I used to, there only used to be only two or three, but now there's like 20. Um, Steve Money Pennies, and they all look like ghost profiles and stuff, so it kind of creeps me out. Um, so if you if you find one that looks like me, it's probably me. Uh, or you can send me a message. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm Steve Money Penny. On Instagram, I'm at Steve Money Penny. Um, and you can hit the link tree, and it will take you directly to those. I do have my own domain name, so uh, Steve at stevemoneypenny.com will also get you to me for an email. Awesome. Steve, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for sharing all your thoughts. And thanks for giving a shit about multi-gun. <laughs> thanks for having me. And I, I hope to uh, I hope to do a lot of things with a lot of different areas in shooting sports. Yeah, I love it. And I'm, I want to get involved in the future. I've got plans for that, but I'm not there yet. Um, I wanted to do it the right way and I have a plan for it. So who knows? But like you said, get involved, get out there, volunteer, and then do something about it if you really want it to change and you love it. So proud of yep. you. Good for you. Thank you. Yep. Listeners, stay tuned to next week's all new episode of the Reticle Up podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.